Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Dev London podcast. My name is Adam and you can refer to me as he, him. And today we're going to be talking about emotion-driven design. With me today as my fellow co-host and uh, other member of Game Dev London podcast is... Hello, it's me, Stuart DeVille. You can refer to me as he, him, and I'm happy to be here today. Hello, me, Stuart DeVille. <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing? Really good, actually. Yeah, really good. Okay, excellent. So, as mentioned, today I want to talk about emotion-driven design. So this is all about the idea that you could make a game instead of thinking about, you know, the mechanics or how people are going to play it or what console it's on or any of those kind of questions. Instead, thinking about it from the perspective of emotion, which basically just means driving it from uh, how you want the player to feel, what you want the player to be feeling at any given moment, and using that to inform all of your kind of design decisions. So to start with, let's talk about some definitions. So Initially, we're going to talk about emotions. So, Stu, you got any strong emotions about the world at the minute? Have I got any strong emotions? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just most ap- apathetic. <laughs> <laughs> apathetic. Apathy- well, I mean, there's an argument about whether apathy is or isn't an emotion. Uh, yeah, that's in, true. Yeah. Which, uh, we're not going to get into that philosophical debate right now. But, but yeah, uh, no. <laughs> so, define emotions. Uh, emotions basically define it as... Uh, a feeling that you get that comes out of it comes out of nowhere that is distinct from knowledge distinct from your surroundings it is something internal and that is to do with how you're feeling and then when we talk about the other definition we're talking about design specifically games design which are basically the aspects of a game that, that formulate the game everything from the gameplay the mechanics the uh the visuals the feel all the things that come together to make the game so when we're talking about emotion driven design we're talking about how emotions how the feeling that you want the player to feel when playing part of the game uh permeates into all areas of game design namely things like the visuals the aesthetic the sound the characters the narrative the gameplay mechanics every single area and thinking and drawing it all the way back to how do i want the player to feel at this moment so to give you some examples of this uh, let's talk about some real, real world examples of where this happens. So, is there anything in the real world to you that makes you feel emotions? And if so, what emotions are those? Um, so, I'm a dad. So, uh, classic, uh, classic dad feelings are protectiveness over my son, um, love, obviously. Mm. Um, what else would there be? Frustration sometimes. <laughs> yep, that's fair. Yeah. So interesting, just interesting on on the loved one, love being a, a, a good example of an emotion. What is it? That, I mean, in terms of your, I mean, in terms of your son, the emotion comes from the sort of emotional bond. Um, so it's sort of on a very low level. Interesting though, when you sort of reflect on other things. So you talked about safety there. So one example might be, for example, your uh, environment, your home. What do you think it is about your home, for example, that might make you feel safe? Uh, well, when it comes to my son and safety, it's kind of more of a case of, um, being hyper aware of all of the dangers that are around. <laughs> so is it, um, do you feel safe then or do you feel more, I, more I, scared? Yeah. So I feel safe. Uh, obviously I've, I've made my home a, a nice co- cozy nest, but, um, yeah. And anyone who's a parent will know that, um, when your child is doing something completely innocuous, you'll see them wandering towards a table and you're not thinking, oh, look at them walking towards the table. You're thinking, what is on the table? If they bump into the table, what's going to fall off the table? If that was on the table, is that going to break? So it's kind of a, <laughs> a hyper awareness, I guess, of yeah, surroundings when you have a kid anyway. That's fair. We'll talk about that co- coziness point. Um, what is it about your house that makes you feel like it is, I mean, so cozy, warmth, safe inside the house, trust these kind of things, trust in your environments. What is it about your house that has made it feel cozy? Um, it's got all of my stuff in it, in all of the places that I am familiar with. I've, I've made order. sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I've tried to order the chaos, although sometimes there's chaos in the order. Um, mm-hmm. And then... There's obviously like the natural comforts, like there's a nice place to sit, there's a nice place to sleep. Mm. Um, I there's entertainment if I want it, there's food if I want it. So all of my base needs, I guess, are covered. So it's that kind of a comfort. 
it's interesting. So needs is probably the closest one there. It's reflecting back on how you how needs met result in a feeling of safety, and especially when you start to think about coziness coming from us an aesthetical perspective, right? So it's about uh, you feel cozy because you know the walls. Of the, in this case, it's because you chose it. So in this case, uh, it would be something like customization. You picked how everything is, how everything looks. You know that you have put things in place that allow you to feel those feelings. And this then you can see how that would then reflect in games. In a game where, like for example, The Sims the reason that you, the space might feel cozy or you might feel more connected is because those are your characters and you designed it and you designed the house etc etc yeah for sure uh so if we continue on that sort of the real world example let's look at something that's uh closer to games so if we look at other media so in the world of things so you know you got you've got books you've got films you've got tv you've got music all these things make you uh all these things make you feel things in different ways is there any sort of books or films or TV or anything, only kind of media that you have an emotional connection with? And if so, why? Um, I quite like Sin City. I like the mood that actually comes out of that film. I like how it's all like really dark and gloomy, but all of the characters are really pulled out of it, obviously with the splashes of colour. Mm. Great one about Sin City, great example, especially because one of the big things about it is it's trying to get you to connect with the characters while also feeling how they you know their their emotions it's dark it's gritty there's there's you know a feel to it which is great because the contrast between dark and color especially uh is how they use it to drive motion and actually that's a really great example a great comparison when we start talking about games instead so when we look at games and we start to think about all the pieces that are involved in the game we can break it down to a few key areas so the visuals the audio the aesthetics, the environment, the gameplay, so things like mechanics, et cetera, characters. Um, and initially what we want to look at is uh, examples of games that we feel have a great emotional, basically create emotional uh, emotions within people. So you take your example of Sin City, for example. One of my favorite, one of my favorite games, and actually surprisingly close to Sin City as a comparison, is the game Super Hot. Now, the reason that I like Superheart in particular is because it attempts to make the player feel cool, essentially, right? Now, yeah. you can argue whether cool is an emotion or not. Some people say it's a state of being. But actually, coolness derives from the feeling of serenity, which is very similar to things like flow or uh, level-headedness or zen, all these kind of things all sort of boil down to a feeling of serenity. The idea of being at one within your environment, knowing what's happening, where you are, peaceful, all these kind of things that allow you to just sort of connect to the environment you're in. And there isn't really a game that really builds into that more than Superheart. The whole point is that you can just act and do and be at one with the game. And when you, when you realize that, when you think, okay, the point of Superheart is to make you feel uh, cool, to make you feel uh, zen and say serenity, how does the game design inform that feeling and then you start to break it down okay well what about the visuals well super hot super stylized game there are three colors red black white why is that well because then if you look at any given moment just at the screen or if you're in vr and just look around you know what's an enemy what's environment and what and what you can use to hit that enemy with right you don't even have to think it's just there in front of you your brain is already processing those colors and going well i can grab this i can shoot that i can do this i can do that you don't have to think about it and that not thinking aspect builds in serenity again it's keeping you it's keeping you in that sort of state where you're feeling a part as one with your environment and keeping you things serene so that when you do do stuff it feels almost intuitive like you don't even have to think about it Again, the audio, why is that making you feel cool? Because it's reactive. There's no music in Superheart. It's all about um, making you feel at one with your environment because everything reacts to the actions you're doing. Bullet noises, glass smashing, object smashing, everything is reacting to the way that you've just acted and it's making you feel like you caused the noise or something else is causing the noise. It's the real world. These things are reacting to you. Again, keeping you in at one with your environment. Again, the environment itself, they're all very... The world, the outer world environment is, you know, you're in, you're sort of inside this sort of PC simulation. Again, sci-fi. It's cool. It's technical. It's uh, all sort of built. It's all meant to be together, and it all works in this sort of digital sense. All these things kind of come together to create this feeling of serenity and coolness within the world that you exist, so that you don't, in Superheart, you don't have to think about anything. It's all delivered to you, and it just makes means that everything you do feels natural, and thus you feel cool for having done it.
Have you got any examples of games that sort of give you an emotional connection to you? Outside of frustration. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that counts. Um, yeah, it does count. Um, in terms of games that yeah make me feel strong emotions, um, there's a couple. Although one um, that I played a, quite a while back now um, is A Short Hike. And that, that game, uh, similar to uh, Superhot, uh, everything that the, the game designer has created for that game um, is led, or leads you to have a certain feeling or emotion as you're playing it. So like all of the scenery is very calm and um, very like bright and colorful. You're just like hiking around this little um, mountain area, basically. Um, the characters that you meet are quite um, friendly. Some of them, and the ones that like aren't so friendly are just not friendly because like you need to get to know them. So like there's a lot, the whole game uh, drives you with this feeling of like, oh, it's just a nice place to be and a nice place to, there's like the tasks are really simple. You go do them. Um, they, obviously they range in difficulty so that you, as you have that feeling of progression as you go along. Um, and without, ha, ha, without putting in any major spoiler, the whole part, the whole like backstory to the game is that you've come to this place and you're not able to see your mum. So like uh, towards the end, your goal is to try and like um, have this connection with your mum. And the way that it brings that out is just, it's really amazing really to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's fair. If you were to boil it down to a single emotion, what would you say it is? Uh, for that game, it's probably in a weird way, um, it's all about connection. Okay. So, so would you put so sort of trust, or would you put it down to more like uh, affection? What, how would you sort of drill that down to a yeah, single emotion? Yeah, probably. It prob well, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know if there's a single emotion exactly. That's fair. Because a lot of games do. Yeah, it's just because there's this because there's this undertone that like you're like you're you're missing your mum basically. And mm. you're just trying to have a good time. Sadness. In this, yeah, that's probably it. So there's there's this underlying sadness to it, but at the same time, you're still just pottering around, having like like you would if you were actually separated from your mum and you went to summer camp or something like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you hit a point there where a lot of games don't just focus on one emotion, especially larger games. They focus on multiple emotions, and actually, it informs the game design of that moment to make you feel things. So another good example of this would be something like The, the Last of Us, where the game is designed to, to take you through the character story as they go through lots of different emotions at different times. Um, one of the key ones for me in that game, for example, is uh, sadness or, or fear. In fact, let's go with fear. Uh, when you play some of the areas in The Last of Us where you're trying to avoid uh, clickers, for example, if you were to take a snapshot of one of those moments and, and examine it, you would see a whole bunch, like basically everything in the game is driving you towards fear. Not complete fear, not absolute terror, but fear. And the reason it does that is through a number of ways. So, for example, uh, the game is third person, right? You are watching another character. It's a Fear is, you can drive it through first person, but actually when you drive it through first person, it becomes very scary very quickly because you fear things happening to yourself much more than you fear them happening to somebody else, for example. So you're watching it happen to someone who you are in control of, but you're feeling it through them. So it's still, it's not as terrifying, but you can still connect, to, you empathize with the fear they're feeling. The environments are dark, they're very quiet, you can hear everything, and you know that a lot of those noises relate to things that are coming to get you. The color palettes are normally quite muted, they're very, there's lots of greens and blacks and grays and darks. Again, not happy colors, you're not you know, dancing around in a field of flowers or reds and yellows, it's about an intense situation. And all this sort of drives that just sort of underlying dread, that fear of that moment you are in and connecting to the character as they are scared as well. You might hear them trembling, you might see them moving slowly, etc, etc. And this changes throughout different games. Um, another example, again, of a game taking it in a different direction. Um, so I've just completed uh, The Outer Wilds, for example, uh, which I could spend the next two hours talking about, but I'm not going to. Um, the key for me, the, one of the key things that the Outer Wilds does is it absolutely drives home the emotion of pensiveness, which is the essentially the opposite of serenity. Where serenity is about being one with your environment, pensiveness is about reflecting on your environment as being as objectively separate to it as possible, while being able to consider it and look at it and reflect on it. Very much the feeling of 
meditation when you are considering and thinking and reflecting back on your experiences. And again, the way it does this is through, ev it permeates every single aspect of the game's design. From again, it's first person. You are the you are first person as opposed to Last of Us, which is third person. You are the one who is pensive. You are the one who should be reflecting. Um, the, it's an open world, well, open multiple world, open ex, open exploration game. You are able to do anything, and again, giving you the option to do anything forces you to reflect on what you know of the game and the world, decide what you want to do. The music is very. Uh, almost ethereal very light it's very uh it's a lot of strings it's a lot of sort of floating through the air again a lot of camp uh campfire aesthetics campfires famous for being places where you sit around and talk about your feelings and reflect on the world and all this kind of thing and the story that plays out is all about things that have happened in the past and you trying to connect the dots between them again feelings of reflectiveness of pensiveness of sitting back and taking stock of the world of which you find yourself uh permeate every single layer of the game and that is how they start to drive this emotion home so that when you do come away from the game you're left with this lasting impression which in this case is pensiveness the feeling that uh you know you've connected with uh, your past self and this game is the thing that made you do it and it's this lasting emotional impact is one of the reasons that these games stick with us that these games become important because when we feel that emotion we are connected back to that game have you got any other examples of games that have made you feel emotions um yeah so actually there's quite a good one uh, i've been playing a lot recently um which is don't starve together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um there's three things that you manage in that game um three main things that you manage in that game. One is your hunger, one is your sanity, and the other is your health. And like you're constantly in this state of anxious panic almost. It's, and the better you get at the game, the less that, that is there, but it's still, <clears throat> it's like you were saying. So it, it comes through every element of the game. The landscape that you're in, all of the colors are quite, quite muted and like dull almost. Um, there are a few items, obviously a few places where color is a little bit more vibrant, so draw your focus to it. Um, but by and large, every, yeah, everything is like kind of gloomy. Um, the, there's a very clear distinction of like what season you're in. So like um, autumn, uh, winter, spring and summer. And each of them has their own like dangers and you, you know how long you have until the next one's coming and you need to be preparing for the next one um, and again with the sound um, they have this really cool mechanic whereby um, there's these things called hounds which are basically like monstrous dogs um, and they come out, they come at you in waves um, sometimes and you hear them before you see them so you're prepared for this like oh my god that's coming and they do it um, for all of the like big bosses that are free roaming as well you hear them and then you've got a certain amount of time to like prepare yourself. For example, if you're inside your base, you don't want to be inside your base because it means that things might get destroyed. So you want to get as far away from your base as possible, as quickly as possible. So yeah, you're just constantly kept in this state of like, oh my God, I might, I'm, I'm going to die if I don't like make sure I'm safe and killing off these um, enemies or, oh my God, I'm going to die because if your hunger gets too low, then you start losing your health. So you need to make sure that you've got food either nearby or prepared so yeah it's a really good game for like just everything gears towards that anxious panic so i mean anxious panic is good so it's probably i mean having played don't starve i, I think i've played don't Starve together i definitely played don't starve um that whole the whole aesthetic of that game is sort of driven towards uh, particularly contrast between the light and the dark things that I could bear, but also the fact that there is a darkness to everything there is, you know, between the outline drawing, the sort of uh, almost Burton-esque style of things to connect you up to other things that have, a, you know, things with a dark side or a, a, an alternate side and that kind of thing. I would, just, I would, I mean, in terms of emotion and stuff, I'd probably say one of the key things for that for, for me from Don't Starve, Don't Starve and Don't Starve Together is, is sort of apprehension, the fear mm. that anything you could do could result in things going terribly wrong very, very quickly. Mm, yeah. um, and again, if you take in that, you can drive it into things like you know, survival aspects and uh, the way things move, the sound from the distance, everything sort of drives you into that kind of 
trepidation that anything you could do could result in things going wrong from even from just you know leaving your campsite alone everything drills it drills that feeling into you so when you're feeling that when you're playing the game that's what you're feeling you're feeling that sense of trepidation and, and apprehension the same as the character is and you get a lot from uh from the times i've played that stuff you get a lot from those characters facial expressions because they're almost always staring at you and that kind of thing you you connect with their sort of mm. fearful faces the fact they're they're they are as concerned as you should be feeling about the environment that they're in and that's another way that things connect with you just in terms of you know, the faces that you get it's why games like uh we happy few that classic sort of uh masked face we connect with so viscerally because we see this sort of weird happy face and we're like it fills us with trepidation even though what we're seeing is a happy face because of the nature of that face because it's a mask it's set it's inhuman we actually it makes us feel trepidation and it's used to great effect across a lot of games so speaking of a lot of games let's have a discussion about uh if we were going to build a game so uh obviously while we're doing this are uh the game dev london winter jams currently going on we actually use this design method for our game in that um so when that game comes out go and have a look see if you can figure out what feeling that we're trying to build across to you but we'll start by talking about if we were going to build a brand new game uh in this case uh we're going to use the global game jam theme for 2020 uh for some reason uh that i will not announce yet uh which was repair uh and we're going to talk about if we were going to build a game together what and use an emotion and use a theme of repair what emotion would we use and how would that affect our decisions so let's start by picking an emotion uh which could be anything and actually one of the interesting things is, is what we found with uh discussing the difference between a theme and an emotion is that some some themes lend themselves to certain emotions really easily so for example if the theme was i don't know um uh joy or party if the theme was party that's a good example party lends itself automatically to joy or happiness right it's really really easy to make a party game that's happy because the two things lend it to joy. you know party suggests bright and color and, and joy and those kind of things but and happiness is suggests the same but actually the interesting areas come into play when you start to use contrasting emotions to the theme so if we take repair for example so immediately i'm thinking you know fixing things i'm thinking about uh things that are broken i'm thinking about putting two things together all that kind of stuff um which seems quite uh eh, relatively reflective relatively um i wouldn't say happy but it's sort of pretty calm you know industrious industrious i think pensiveness and that kind of thing already sort of sits in there so let's 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 flip it back the other way let's go for uh you know let's go let's, let's do the opposite of the pie let's go for joy joy and repair right that's our emotion that's our state of being so let's start with visuals right how do we get across joy visually well i guess if you were starting with the character you'd have a upbeat smiley kind of bouncy jovial character mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um really happy moving you'd probably have maybe the tools are, are like um quite vibrant looking mm-hmm um, you'd certainly have, maybe you'd, while you were doing whatever repair thing you're doing, maybe the, the music that goes along with it is kind of quite an upbeat, like, um, like, like if you were working in a shed and you put the radio on so that you could, you know, have, have a little jam while you're doing it, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And if we start to take it down, you know, step by step through each kind of area of game design, if we start looking at the visuals, right, uh, color in uh from joy for example immediate colors come to mind you know yellow uh maybe even green you know grass fields happy do you think joy you're thinking people running through a park and that kind of thing especially when you, when you start to think of repair you're thinking of like mechanical colors you know your your brown and rust colors and that kind of thing you already got you know your bright bright red is an easy color you're sort of uh your light browns your fixed items looking you know shiny or looking uh, uh depending on your sort of repair maybe given the uh the lending itself of sort of greens and yellows and stuff maybe it's about repairing nature you're sort of growing plants or growing trees things that when they come into existence they bring happiness you know uh in terms of the um the visual effects things that pop and particles are coming out and petals flying and all this kind of things just all these things that sort of bring people happiness and joy and keep you uplifted and that kind of thing i can see for example sun a sun constantly shining and things sort of peering down it's not a rainy game it's not going to be a, a a 
gloomy game or you know like last of us you wouldn't put the you wouldn't set this game in a dark corridor you'd set this game in an open field or in a uh, a happy forest or in a you know in a, in a in a party as demonstrated by the previous example so in terms of a camera style so obviously we talked about the last of us being third person to connect connect to the person's you know sad uh outer wilds being first person to make you ref reflect on on the state of things same with super hot to make you feel part of it what would you say for a joyful game where do you think you would take that me personally i would probably mm. do it as a third person camera getting mm -hmm. to see the the full action of the little character like because you, you'd expect to be a, well i would certainly connect with watching them if they're if if we're in this like woodland setting and actually they're they're repairing and, and maybe doing some kind of gardening to repair nature, then you'd expect that they're actually quite jovial as they're doing it. They're quite bouncy and hopping along as they do that. Whereas if you did that with a first person camera, you kind of just you're going to be seeing a lot of bouncing, but you wouldn't mm. kind of get the feeling of watching, um, and, and enjoying possibly all of the visuals that come with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you touch on an interesting point here, which is that it, the point about this is that it's about justifications. It's not actually about uh, there are no right answers to picking any of these things. Mm. You, know, you could, t I mean, technically you could pick if you decided that black brought you joy because you were really into that style of clothing and that kind of thing, then there is a that it's about the justification of why that emotion can bring that forward and make it your thing. So for example, it's hard to justify, um, oh, I'm going to use a lot of knives in this game because knives are joy because that's, that's not probably true for a lot of people. Mm. I'm sure there is a way to do it. Maybe if you were making a game that was built around the the, the satisfying effect of uh, a knife cutting through uh, plants and that kind of thing, then maybe you could. Because to me, I, I say all this, and then I would say something like, um, and I've forgotten the name of it, Slicey Fruity Game, which is called... Oh, uh, Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja, thank you for fruit. I mean, I, why they didn't go with Fruity Slicey Game, I don't know. It's a much <laughs> better name. Uh, very, very app-like. Uh, fruit Ninja uh, is, while it's not necessarily about knives and things, it is a, it's quite a joyful game because it's satisfying to cut through things. Um, yeah. But if it was a game, if, you know, it's hard to sell a gloomy, dark game full of knives aiming at you that could drop at any moment as a joyful game. Mm, um, yeah, sure. But where you would say, third person because there's the character they're having a good time you know something like if you take a take a mario for example mario is a very joyful game mm -hmm. uh mo you know most of, most of the time anyway certainly in environments that are bright and colorful and this kind of thing and that's third person and you have mario going around going yahoo and all this kind of thing yeah that is joyful whereas for me if i was building it myself i would probably go for a, a, a 2d a 2d game probably a plat to be fair probably a platformer and this just tells you that mario is a joyful game um, because, <laughs> because for the same reason that Don't Starve sells its trepidation, its uh, apprehension through facial features, I would probably do the same. I would probably have a happy, smiley character who's sort of like smiling at you the whole time and, and pulling like joyful faces and that kind of thing and use that as one of the ways that I would sell joy to the person. And then just having them going around doing things, you know, maybe going around uh, fixing trees or the puzzles are all based on you have to repair the environment to to do it or, or you know you're growing plants to bring back biodiversity and that allows you to escape that allows you to escape certain areas and do that kind of thing um i think there and i think that's a big part of it is that there are lots of different ways of doing that of selling emotions to people and connecting people because otherwise if there weren't there'd only be there would be one game for every emotion and that would be it um yeah and if, and if that's true, then Steam has got a lot of games. Um, oh, it does. Um, let's talk about audio, audio then. So we're going for joy. We've got our 2D, 3D kind of game going on. How would you get joy across? Joy with repair. Uh, joy repair across in just the audio. Well, so for me, things like the sound effects would be quite springy and bouncy. So, for example, if you're bringing a plant back to life, you would expect to hear like a boink kind of a sound as it pops mm -hmm, up mm -hmm. instead of just um, whatever other sound you might have. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, if you, obviously all of your like reward sounds might be like ka-ching, so there are lots of uptake, um, uptick sounds. Um, and then obviously you'd want your background music either to be quite in the background, but, but still be like um, 
lively and bouncy and happy and joyful mm. um or you might want to make it a bit more of a feature because like i said if if for example you were um if i personally was to go out in into my shed or something and, and work in my shed i would have the radio on and that tends to be that would tend to be quite loud while i'm working away so i'm enjoying but you know it it depends what you what you're able to pull together i guess when you're mm-hmm. you're creating it and that opens up another interesting area again because again on the justification things joy from how you would sell joy to someone is different from how how i would sell joy there's also an objective and subjective view on joy right joy from a society perspective uh might be green open spaces or it might you know in in terms of repair for example it might think uh community coming together to fix a children's playground that's joy but actually in the case of repair joy for you might be going into your shed and how those two play out is very different so for example uh there could a, a, a game about joy and repair could have you know just the odd sounds of background radio just going on because it connects to your vision of what joy is in the case of repair, which might be working in your, in your shed or uh, a memory from your childhood of your uh, a grandparent working in the shed and you just hearing the radio going off in the background. Um, and that is a way of doing it, of making people empathize with your personal emotions and connect with you, the designer of the game, and therefore bring themselves into it and, and their joy. Or something that is more likely to connect to lots of people by doing something that's a bit more um, objective. So for example, like you were saying, light, uh, floaty, happy music in the background. It's one of the reasons why, uh, it's one of the reasons things like elevator music exists or you know, an advert music and that kind of thing, because it's designed to connect to you and exhibit an emotion without being too in your face, right? It's hard to have, for example, joyful, in your face music. If you had music that was very kind of la 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 la, it would be very imposing. And it's a bit like those masks in We Happy Few. It's so there, it's so in your face. And, and that's not, it's hard. You can't really be joyful with something that's in your face like, yeah, all right, sure, thanks. It's difficult to do that unless you're already super connected with what's going on. So having something that was in the background sort of light and just sort of exists and just, just kind of there, but it's just sort of floating you along like a, a Lenore advert or a, a, you know, something light and breezy and, ah, oh, isn't this nice? Um, that's how, that's how, <laughs> that's how they get you. That's what they're trying to do. It's exhibit, it's causing you, it, it make you feel that emotion in a way that is, is not forcing you to confront it because if you're forced to confront it, then obviously then that is subject to how you feel about that thing that you're being given. And it's interesting to see how those two play out in that kind of space. So for example, for me, for audio, very similar even though that my you know i would probably go for 2d over this the sort of the over shoulder 3d kind of game actually when it comes down to audio it's probably very similar very lots of lightness lots of bounciness lots of springy noises very kind lots of strings lots of duh and upticks and all this kind of thing all things that are just joyful naturally joyful within them are probably aiming at sort of high octave things avoiding sort of lows and long slow notes and all this kind of thing just all these things that kind of draw you into oh this is nice and all that kind of thing um something else that you could do with that as well is that you could have it so that um when you do a task the like this happy i'm doing a task tune comes in something that makes you feel like kind of industrious i guess and then um when you've finished your task and you're just wandering around maybe in in this like garden-esque uh place to go to do your next task the music is quietened down but you can hear all of the like the nice sounds of nature so you can like hear maybe the wind blowing trees and like birds tweeting in the background so again you'd Mm -hmm. be getting this like feeling of joyful you're in a really like lovely place you actually make and and drawing back to an earlier example which i didn't think of for this something like the sims is a very good example here because the sims although not a repair game is a is a two-part game of building and experiencing you are creating the world you're creating the house and that kind of thing and then you are experiencing that world by playing it and actually if you think about that exact point when you are experiencing the world and your focus is on the people doing stuff there isn't actually really any music. It's more about, um, you know, maybe there's a TV on in the background and stuff, but it's you connecting with the, the characters one and then stuff. But when you are building, when you're in building mode, there is this sort of joyful light background music going on because it sort of carries you forward. If when you were building and clicking and dragging and putting windows in and stuff, it was just silence or, you know, 
wind and stuff it'd be it would feel more like a slog because you're just like all right got yeah. the building here i got put that there and da, 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 da. but actually that music by itself all those kind of lights like and all that kind of thing is sort of carrying you on you're like oh yeah this is a nice experience you know to put this together it's very uh methodical it's very calm it's all this kind of thing and actually the music is what's selling it because the same if you did the same experience but the music was all deep and aggressive and or, or, or gloomy or sad or whatever it may be that's a totally different experience even though the actions that you're completing are the same and yeah. it's a perfect example of, of that kind of switching the music to when the depending on the moment to moment of what's going on in the other areas the audio and or any kind of area the visuals the audio whatever plays into that emotion differently depending on what you're doing which perfectly leads into us talking about gameplay and so things like mechanics movements points of interaction, the things that you're sort of doing in a moment-to-moment basis and how they feed into the emotions. Uh, taking us back, joy and repair. How, how's your, what's the gameplay in your joy and repair game? Again, I, I think because, you know, like I said, with the, with the audio, you'd have this kind of, if you were planting something, you'd have this like doink. And I, you would expect the, the visuals to match that. So if you're putting a plant in and you, you, you've patted it down, whatever you've watched it, or, or however this is working, when you see that plant spring up, it's not just going to be like, boop, it's literally going to like spring out and maybe have a bit of a bounce to it as, as it comes out. Um, and again, like we were saying with the character, you'd expect to see them being like quite boppy and um, head swinging as they're going about their day doing their tasks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally, totally I mean, again, my kind of way of joy would be something around uh, this floaty character, maybe a lot of ability to do things like gliding and flying, because a lot of people enjoy that. So as you're sort of moving around the world, maybe it's your um, working with people who exist on different sort of clouds. So you have to sort of float from one cloud to another to sort of help nice. them fix all their things. Uh, or, or again, maybe maybe it is a, pla- is a it's sort of a low ground platformer. So the, the jumping is very floaty, and you're sort of bouncing you're sort of bouncing around between things, sort of pinging from point to point. Um, all these kind of things like feed into joy in different ways. Again, it depends. It, and this is going back to, it depends on the kind of joy that you want to get because emotions are not one shade. You know, if you take, we talked about uh, serenity, right? And you're able to, serenity builds into thousands of different, you know, states of being or uh, impact, you know, are you going to take it in more of a Zen, peaceful uh direction you know your your tetris effects your sudokus your uh light puzzle games that kind of thing where you're just sort of at one with your environment very peaceful or do you go in a much more kind of uh at one of your environment action orientated kind of thing your super hot your beat sabers for example where you just get into the flow state of what's coming towards you right mm-hmm. those are both if you take Tetris Effect and uh, Beat Saber, for example, those two games have a lot of similarities between them, but also a lot of differences that build around how their implementation of Serenity changes depending on how they how you they want you to get to that emotion. Is it about being in a in a, sort of a uh, movement you're you're so fast paced and action oriented that you're sort of taken away from having to think about it, or is it that the movement it's so familiar and so known and it sort of flows you into it that you just let yourself you, you give yourself up to the moment of the gameplay? It's very different ways of sort of taking it. And again, the same with this: is it something that that cut, that stems from the actions? Is it stemming from you know the planting and the popping and you think uh, you know is it coming from that kind of side of things, or is it coming from the movement? Is it coming from the floatiness? Is it coming from the lightness of your characters. You can find you can find the joy in anything, as a lot as, as a lot of people have said in the past. Yeah. And in this particular instance, it's about how you personally take uh, joy from repairing. Because, for example, you could have a hardcore mechanics type gameplay where it's all about sort of the clicking and dragging, moving stuff. But where you find the joy in that uh, is more important. So, for example, a game about uh, big machines that actually only have one thing wrong with them and your goal is to sort of get past you know move things that that get to this one screw that needs tightening and when you tighten it it goes and the whole thing kicks in and you're like Mm -hmm. wow that was so cool that is a relatively joyful game but it's miles away from a 2d platformer or a or a 3d or a a 3d over the shoulder uh, farming game essentially but those are all games that sort of instill that feeling of joy in you which leading on to my, my one of my last two areas setting so What's your environment looking like? You know, we've talked a little bit about colors and stuff. And it sort of drills into that. But what, what kind of environment do you see as a joyful environment? 
Yeah, so I guess, well, like I said, for this, for this particular game, if we were doing um, environment, like world repair kind of stuff, then you would kind of expect it to be um, some kind of Greenland. But, but equally, you could make it that it's an alien planet and so everything's vibrant in a completely different way and all of the plants are completely unique and um, funky. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I get, I, again, it just depends on when when you think about it when you're creating the game like what is it that does make you feel like this is a an enjoyable fun place to be in um and bring in again your example of if it were a party different people have different ideas of what a party might be some people envisage a party being um a nightclub where actually it's kind of quite dark some people envisage a party being like a house party with all of your friends in so um there's lots of areas to explore when it comes to environment really Mm, absolutely and to take that exact point joy for one person it may be on a take i'm going to take a scale of activity for example one person may experience joy from a cozy setting so this for example this game could take place if we use um unravel as an example as it's sort of like a 2d 2.5d platformer as it were mm-hmm. um that if the whole game took place inside of a cozy tent where you can see a campfire flickering outside the tent in the distance and stuff, and you're sort of moving across and you're trying to repair the you know holes in the tent so that when the person comes back in, it's protected from the rain and that kind of thing. And, the, and there is a joy from being uh, somewhat isolated or having a, few, a very limited number of people being cut off from the world. And there's joy in that sense all the way up to the, the most action oriented sense of it going to a gig, right? people find joy in being surrounded by lots of people and the music and all that kind of thing coming together in one moment and the joy in that experience. And again, the game could reflect that, you know, is the game thumping it all the tiles kind of like beating along to the music. And as your character's moving, you're just like, yeah, and you've got a, um, you know, you're inside one of the speakers and you're trying to fix the cables in it. So that, and every time you do the music, another level of the music kicks in and that's your goal and that kind of thing. There's joy at both ends and it all connects to different types of people. Someone who finds joy being cozy and quiet and calm may not enjoy the, the loud thumping action game much whereas the reverse it's also true somebody who likes going to gigs and doing that kind of thing may not find a lot of joy in just sort of being out in a stuck out in a field without signal or, or a charger and it's about it's and this is where the objective subjective thing comes in again how do you i are you trying to get across how you find joy and therefore connect with people who are like you or are you trying to get across a, a more objective feeling of joy and how other people find joy and try and aim for somewhere in the middle? And depending on what you want to do, it can change. And this is, you know, our whole industry is built around this idea of object versus subjective. Super casual games, for example, are uh, super casual, hyper casual games. I want to find, I want to play some super casual games. <laughs> yeah, right. Hyper casual games are, are, are very much about objectivity, creating something that a lot of people can understand and connect to and get a, a, a short burst of emotion from of, of normally of joy to be honest mm-hmm. um you take you know take your match three it's about connecting the three up something happens and you go oh that was nice right uh whereas your you know a lot of your indie titles and sort of hyper uh, niche indie titles are about that person's singular experience so for example that dragon cancer not joyful very much a very sad game but it's about uh, a par- their parents personal experience and they use their personal experience to get you to empathize with the experience that they had and that's how they connect you to the emotion that they're experiencing and the emotion that they're trying to get across in the gameplay and so making a decision on whether you're trying to be objective or subject is very important in how you're trying to get across uh the emotion that you're doing but also then picking about the sort of shade of that emotion as well is it more so if we take if we say joy is yellow for example is it more of an earthy brown green yellow is it sort of that or is it more of like a hyper neon vibrant yellow that you would get at a gig or a concert for example last one last area that we're going to talk about for game design character so we talked a little bit about it at the start, but was it, how, how are you envisioning your character? I think you, we think we sort of alluded to this already, but particularly, well, particularly talk about characters. Let's also talk about characters. So interactions, story, conversations, these kind of things as well. Yeah. So I imagine that, like say, obviously we've got our, like our main character, <clears throat> but um, for a joyful environment. And again, it depends on your goals and, and how you feel these things work. But for me, I would have like 
other NPCs that either quite like Animal Crossing, I guess, where like there are NPCs there that like can help you out, and that's quite nice and a, a friendly environment. Um, and yeah, so you would you would either have ones that you would help out, and that's kind of quite nice to do, or ones that are going to help you, and that's quite nice to make. Basically, making friends in game is always quite nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, Animal Crossing is a good example of a game that. Well, the fact that emotion, uh, how you display emotions can cross over to different emotions. Because, for example, while uh, Animal Crossing definitely has some joyous moments, for sure, I don't know if joy, joy is one of the key emotions, is the key driving emotion to Animal Crossing, for example, because of that, well, two factors. One, the fact that you always owe somebody money, uh, which is very rarely joyous. Yeah. And also <laughs> because of the fact that if you don't go back to your uh to your village frequently so your island frequently that your the characters can start to have negative emotions towards you and you feel bad about it and actually it leads a little bit more into an element of trust i guess in terms Mm of trust in the framework trust in your villages but also the villagers having trust in you to return every day and come back and you know tidy up and keep things going that kind of thing and actually it's more about that the emotional connection between you and the characters is more of on a trust basis than i would say a joy basis even though there is joy within that so yeah. it's interesting to see how there is crossover between you know uh, a nice conversation between you and another npc it could be joyful it could be happy it could it could in, in, invite trust it could it could it could invite pensiveness depending on what that character is going through for example and how you utilize those different mechanics again going back into gameplay how you utilize different mechanics can change uh, the the shade and type of emotion that you're trying to go for so, for example, I would probably not have much by way of interactions outside of, say, um, for, well, passing interactions. We sort of walk past a character and they just sort of spit out a text bubble because it's easy then to sort of sell um, what is essentially, and this is just how I'm interpreting Joy, quite one-dimensional characters mostly. The reason being is that Joy being quite a, as being a positive emotion doesn't invite a lot of complexity or depth to the emotion because normally when you invite depth into it, there you know it's normally joy tinged with sadness or joy tinged with another emotion. So actually, having a character that you go past who goes just says you know like oh it's a lovely day today, that's enough for you to be like oh that character's having a nice time and that's it. And even if you went past that character a hundred times and they're just like oh it's a lovely day today, you just get from that character oh they're having a nice time. Even even in a game where it was raining and that character's like oh. It's a lovely day today. Just like, oh, that character's just having a nice time. Doesn't matter what it is, they're enjoying themselves. And you're just like, oh, and that little feeling of, oh, is a little feeling of joy that you've connected with that character. And maybe I'd have other, you know, maybe I would have, if my main character was quite, um, so I was talking about him being light and jumpy, maybe a, a sort of a happy, a happy slime character or something that sort of bounces around and does mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Maybe all the other characters are the little slimes. You're just like, oh, have a nice time and just connecting with them. Or maybe the other characters that you interact with, which is very much like you, just other big happy slimes that are just having a good time. When you chat to them, they're all very kind of jovial or maybe dropping in bad jokes or that kind of thing. And just, just adding to that feeling of having a good time and all the things adding to joy. And again, it, it again, it depends on your shade of what a joyful conversation is. You know, is it very open? Is it very closed? Is it very simple? Is it very complex? How do you def- how you find joy will change how you write those conversations depending on what you're trying to do. Some people find joy in you know asking people about their day and hearing their stories and stuff. Some people find joy in that not happening, in very much the opposite happening. I'm okay. just like, all right, and that's it. That's it. That's joy done. Um, but yeah, across the board, so we, we've sort of we've gone down two very different paths in our sort of games. You know, they're both uh, my sort of two two point five D side scrolling platformer with sort of light jumpy mechanics, maybe with a bit of floating around going on. To your over the shoulder three D sort of natural environment um, plant sort of repair game with a, with a bit more depth of conversation going on. But both games just kind of inherently exhibit a feeling of joy that sort of permeates through every level of it, from the sound, the visuals, the aesthetic, the characters. And you can see when you start to take whatever kind of theme or message or whatever it is you want to get across in your game, so in this case, repair, and imbue every part of that game with a particular emotion, in this case, joy, you can actually start to see how how it's very easy to start building a game based on emotion and then connect with somebody. So that even when you just describe that game to somebody, they go, oh yeah, I can see how that could be joyful. And that is the key here. It's trying to get something to a point where you can understand it because it helps you build the game overall. Because then if you're starting to define bits of your game that you you go, oh, in my really happy, joyful game, let's add rain. And you go, is that gonna make people feel joy? Probably not. 
it aids you with your game design by making it really easy to sort of separate what is and isn't going to help you add to that feeling of joyfulness or well uh, that feeling that you're trying to exhibit in your own personal games and like you say it's really good like for driving or pretty much every decision that you make because you you could have it raining but if if it's raining so your purpose might be that um when it's raining your task is to shelter some of the characters in the game and that brings them into a state of happiness and therefore you're feeling joy because you're helping someone out so it's, it's all about isn't it like this knowing knowing what feeling you're trying to evoke from the, the person who's going to play your game because if it's very easy to go into making a game and think that your player is going to feel certain things but not consider like what what is the what is the core feeling or what is the core message that you're trying to get across with your game mm. And actually, I think that that nicely leads to sort of summarize, sort of summarizing this kind of this all the stuff that we've talked about. And actually, some of the key parts of it are, firstly, the fact that uh, emotion emotion driven games are about exhibiting feelings, um, as we sort of just, just talked about. But the first sort of key point is that that right, those can change moment to moment. And actually, if you you want to think of it as sort of a framed moment of how every part of your game is working towards the player feeling something at that moment. And you can choose to have that moment change throughout the course of your game or not. You can have a game that is wholly joyful or you can have a game that ranges, that is, you know, very sad, but has joyful moments. And how you get from a sadness to a, to a joy is part of that game's design question of how do I get it? So for example, if your game is, is sad, if it's dark and it's gray and it's, uh, or and it's murky and it's rainy, how do you get joy from within that? And you could do it by, like you said, by sheltering, by warmth, by fire, by protect, and all these kind of things. And how these emotions play off each other is important. Um, the idea of it being based on your own personal experience, the fact that how you, whether you're trying to get something that is subjective about how you feel about that emotion or something that is more objective and something that is about how, how the world, the society or people feel about that is important. And again, drives how you connect with people. Are you trying to get them to empathize with your point of view or are you trying to get them to connect to the idea of the whole and how you do that then changes how, that, how you're going to build your game around that emotion. And then finally, we've gone to sort of the other point, which is again built off that shades of emotions joy, sadness, happiness, pensiveness, disgust, anger, rage. These aren't all singular things that just exist in one format. How you, how you change them can sort of be colored, ranging from something that can be, you know, calm to action packed to uh, airy and floaty to sort of dark and heavy. And how you, how you paint your game for want of a better word, will the, will the, is, is, again, it's important about being consistent. And again, building off that, the final one, I think, which is absolutely key coming out of this conversation has been justification. In that, it doesn't actually matter how you choose to demonstrate your emotion. What matters is that you can justify it to yourself and to the people that you want to, you know, to play your game and feel that feeling. Black can be happy. White can be sad. Yellow can be uh the worst thing ever and a sort of a deep blue can be the most joyful thing ever what it's about is about how you justify it and how that justification permeates into your game and how you then sell that feeling to the people that you want to play your game so that end that you end up with the people who play your game feeling how you want them to feel yeah so that concludes another episode of the Game Dev London podcast. I have been your host, Adam. Uh, thank you for joining me, Stu. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? If you want to look for me online, you can quite easily find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Stuart Deville. Um, but mostly I'm found at Game Dev London. So if you want to find out more, then check out Game Dev London. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at AdamB1234, or you can find both of us and future episodes of the Game Dev London podcast alongside our Discord, our community events, including finding out what's happening in, with the Winter Jam, which is currently going on. Uh, or by the time you listen to this, you can go and see the entries from the Winter Jam uh, by going to gamedev.london to find out more. Or, failing that, you can come back here at the same time next week to have another episode of the Game Dev London podcast. Bye. Bye.